Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural, inaugural episode of Getting Hammered, which is my new podcast. I am Mary Catherine Ham. I'm a CNN commentator and a writer. Uh, you may have also known me from Fox News back in the day. And I'm starting a podcast, that's right, everybody, several weeks before I have a child. Maybe several minutes before I have a child. We never know, because I'm full term right now. And joining me, in case there's an emergency, is my friend Vic. <laughs> Don't worry, I, I, I'm boiling the water. I'm boiling the water. <laughs> Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How's it going, Vic? It's going great, Mary Catherine, and thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I'm Victor Mattis. As some of you might know, I'm the deputy editor of the Washington Free Beacon and author of Vodka, How a Colorless, Odorless, Flavorless Spirit Conquered America, available on Amazon, holidays just around the corner, and of course, the uh, a co-host on the Subbeacon podcast on Patreon. And I am also the author of End of Discussion, which is a book about free speech, and I think Really, free speech and alcohol is what this podcast will end up being about. It's a, converg it's a convergence of great ideas. <laughs> it is. Those are my two two of my favorite things. Less well pregnant. Fine. <laughs> but we've only got a little bit left. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about the news of the day. But our object is to not stress you out. Right? That's the point. Is we're, we're here to ease you into the day or ease you out. Either <laughs> way, and you can have a drink. I'm I, not judging. I love it. Speaking of, uh, you were, were you on a little vacay this week? I, I was. What uh, was going on? Well, you know, we didn't have any other vacations going on. And, and uh, we thought, why don't we do something uh, where I can use some of my Mar Marriott points? And we decided to go somewhere warm. Of course, it's warm here, but it was warmer in Savannah, Georgia. Little Savannah. I've never been there. I like it. Do you know why I like it? A lot of people talk about Charleston. Yes. Savannah is Charleston's drunker cousin. <laughs> And I'm not, a fan. It's great for me. Not so much for my kids who are like 13 and 11. My younger, my my youngest, my daughter, she actually, because we did a ghost tour at night, and she saw a bunch of people pedaling their way down the street. You know, you pedal and drink beer. Yes. And she was like, I got to do that. She's like, I, gotta, I said, well, no, not really. And she goes, no, no, no. I said, maybe when you're older. But I'm pretty sure she'd be one of the freeloaders, because if you look at it, not everybody's pedaling. Oh, no, of course not. Somebody's doing a lot of hard work and everyone else is just drinking beer. I imagine there are a lot of bachelorette parties in Nashville that are, that are just stalled out because no one's pedaling anymore. Right. I, the most important thing is who's steering and who has control of the brakes. <laughs> That's the most important thing. It just becomes a sitting bar after a while. That's it. That's it. Right in the middle of Broad Street. But I was, I was really uh, happy to be there. And the people are so friendly down there in Georgia and in Savannah. I mean, just really friendly folk and, uh, and great drink, great food. I had fried chicken livers, by the way. Oh, nice. And I'm inspired. I think I'm going to make them myself. And the most important thing, of course, was I was really happy uh, that I ended up, I had a choice of airlines and I'm not like the biggest fan of United, but uh, I decided, well, I had credit on them because of other, you know, canceled flights. So I chose United and that was fine. I almost chose Southwest. Mm, that might have gone badly for you, Vic. Why? What's going on with First Southwest? story of the day. <laughs> Southwest Airlines, uh, Dallas-based, I believe Dallas-based, right? Uh, Southwest Airlines, um, normally beloved by passengers. Very popular. Not this weekend. They canceled some, I think we're up to 2,000-ish flights. Ongoing. Delayed many others. As of today, there's another 350 to 500 that have been canceled or delayed. And people are stuck all over the country. They are not free to move about the country. And they are pretty ticked about it. Now, the controversy beyond people being stuck is... What is causing this problem? And Southwest says weather 
plus air traffic control. The FAA, who would oversee air traffic control, says, we don't really know much about any air traffic control issues, but maybe there's weather. And there's no weather. There's a bunch of rumors that pilots who are supposed to be vaccinated under the Biden-imposed mandate said, nah. Because the mandate is almost upon us. It's almost upon us. And th this is a reaction to that mandate being imposed upon them, which seems like the, the scuttlebutt seems like there is truth to that. You can't, if you look at the weather map, the weather map only affected Southwest Airlines. Right. My understanding is like, for example, United canceled maybe six flights on Saturday or 11 flights and then six flights the next day on Sunday. So uh, by comparison, not many flights. Uh, I also heard that, I mean, the other uh, reason that Southwest is uh, providing is like, very precise uh, cancellations of people not showing up to work at certain places that had, which is a great, very useful phrase, a cascading effect. Cascading effect. Now, cascading effect. I will say this. The airlines, because they had to downscale so much during the pandemic, despite various handouts from the federal government to keep running, but because they down, downsized what they were doing, scaling back up has been an issue sometimes. So the one of the arguments that is different from the mandate argument is, hey, um, maybe these just guys, they have like a fragile setup right now that if one th bad thing happens, then it all falls apart. Yes. Again, I am skeptical. I, well, the, the pilots union is saying, we know of no official or non-official action that is happening, but it seems likely that there is some kind of organized sick out going on here in protest. And that as we head toward the holidays, it's going to have a cascading effect, shall yes, we say. The cascading effect. Uh, and the other thing to keep in mind is, I mean, despite all of, you know, everybody, you know, urging us to to really try to stay local, be around, surround yourself with only other people you know who are vaccinated and, and, and really try not to travel out and about. People are done, you know, vaccinated mm -hmm. or not, they're done. We went to Dulles and it was packed. There were long lines uh, everywhere. I mean, and, and of course, else you have to go with the people movers and everything is crowded. And if that's Columbus weekend, yeah, forget about Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's going to it's going to build. I have heard that some of the deadlines for these the mandates being imposed on airlines start in the beginning of December. We will uh, see. And so we're going to see what happens. Amtrak uh, Northeast Corridor also canceled several routes this mm -hmm. weekend due to, quote unquote, unforeseen crew issues. Yes. So. It seems to me there is a deeper story here, and we will find out more about it. I have also heard, and I am not a, I'm not a union specialist, as you as you may know, <laughs> Vic, but I have heard that one of the reasons, like the union will stay stay quiet about this because it cannot work unless it's an unofficial action. But I got to say, and again, neither a union expert nor usually a union fan, but I understand unions pushing back on this because if you say there's a, a medical intervention that I need to work and the rest of my contract is meticulously worked out via collective bargaining that we right. have fought tooth and nail to maintain, it does not make sense that they should add that without a discussion about it. So I think they're acting rationally. Assuming that. Even if I... Right. Don't love you, but usually they're usually they're striking so that we can give them something else from like taxpayers, particularly public sector unions. Right, which is again. But this time it's like to get something out of their way. This is going to turn out really interesting.
I don't know what's gonna happen, man. But I know that the I know if you're making holiday plans, just keep your head on a swivel, man. I'm surprised you made it back from Savannah. I was reading all the stories. And you would have been so sad to stay there. I, I know. I was already thinking about what would happen if we had to go back to you know, hanging out in the Riverside District, which is really just what well, the plant is. He's just uh, really fantastic along the river walk, as it were. Did you get pralines? I, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. I did have a low country boil. Good. Okay. Well, I yeah. like, I'm not, a, I'm not generally a sweets person, but one of my favorite things to do is go down by the river and I there's a pralines. candy store, there's an old fashioned candy store. And they will pull pralines off oh. the assembly line, you know, as they're coming out warm and hand them to you. And woo, pecan praline. That's nice I, and warm. I ate a lot. I just stretched it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of getting ready for the holidays, what are you doing to prepare Vic for the supply chain issues? Um, well, I mean, the travel thing hmm. is just another iteration of the supply chain yes. issue yes. that we are having in other areas. Is there one specific supply chain issue you're most concerned about? <laughs> is it a supply chain issue regarding turkeys? Uh, no, I just mean, like, for instance, I don't do anything early, but I started ordering Christmas presents. Oh, well, because, I'm doomed then. Because, because I'm I haven't concerned that we will not get things. And I think that is a valid concern as things pile up at ports around the country. I, I wonder if we should do, we should, oh, yes. just had a thought. Have Chick-fil-A run the ports and we will drive in mm -hmm. and pick up the things from the huge freight containers That's that right. we were, that were coming to us, but Chick-fil-A will be able to find mm -hmm. them and get them to yes, us. Yes, don't go to the port on Sunday. But <laughs> no, I saw a lot of the cargo ships, in fact, on, on the Savannah River and they were coming in and out, but clearly there's a problem. And uh, a lot of companies uh, are taking it uh, into their own hands. Yes. There's, it, so right now it's taking about 80 days to get things from uh, Asia to here when normally it takes about 40. And then things are piling up in ports because of various regulations and mm -hmm. union schedules that do not, for instance, they don't run ports through the night. They don't run them on the, on the weekends often. And so things are piling up there mm -hmm. and not getting distributed then you're going to have some trucker issues oh, because yeah. in some cases we have a shortage of truckers or truckers are not going to places where they are, wait for it, required to have a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, in addition to the normal sort of port issues, shall we say, I'm from New Jersey and... Oh, you're an, you're the expert in I, this. Well, a very good, very, experts, a very close member... Uh, a family friend member, let's just, I want to keep this vague. He works for a guy who was telling him in the construction business that the real, quote, the real action is in the ports. That's where you, that's where you, you, you got to get a hand in the ports because there's lots going in and out. Who's keeping track of these things? Not everything makes it through. Sometimes they might have, you know, fallen into the ocean, shall we say. And you know what? When my mother-in-law doesn't get her tea towels, that's what I'm going to blame it on. Yeah, but okay. I, I have some I can sell to wear in the back of my truck. I just, <laughs> Look, yeah. I'm having a new baby. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm done with Christmas, right? Like, here's the new human. You You're welcome, oh, that's, everybody. That's your gift? Wow. <laughs> I feel like you do get cut some slack. You, you will. Yeah. You will, not your but husband. But I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to prevent that. Oh, my husband has no excuses either because he's quite a good gift giver. Uh, oh. Yeah, he's, he's defying gender stereotypes. He's quite a good gift giver. And so I can, I can hand off that ball to him. I'll do and some, it may happen. I'll do some gift wrapping. Oh, well, that's, but, that's and, nice. I, I You're have also defying. a very specific list of responsibilities of who I have to get gifts for. And outside of that, the wrapping is that's 
somebody does a better job. Well, the good news is that a couple of uh, private companies are attempting to remedy this issue with tiny private ships. I just, I want to see um, a, what is it, below deck Christmas shopping, right? Oh, it's just like chartered yachts that are bringing you. No, but I mean, it's like, you know, Amazon could do this, you know, they could just have their, instead of Maersk, or Hapag Lloyd, you know, Amazon might as well get into the container shipping business. I remember the first time seeing the Amazon trucks on the highway. I said, oh, that's weird. Instead of UPS doing the work for them, now they're everywhere. Yeah, and this is uh, might be only a matter of time. Wall Street Journal reporting there are plenty of other bottlenecks to be navigated. A 25-mile freight train backup that occurred in a major shipping facility outside Chicago early this year at the port in Savannah, Georgia, the New York Times reports, that What's workers there? are running out of places to put things as they unload ships, snarling both ground and sea-based transportation. Again, Chick-fil-A is probably the answer to most logistical problems. Agreed. Chick-fil-A. So that's that's my plan. From Chick-fil-A, the height of charm and efficiency and loveliness, we go to VP Kamala Harris. It's a real, it's a, it's a harsh segue, Vic. That is, that is the exact I just opposite. Took you, I just took the you from the exact opposite of Chick-fil-A. From Chicken Nuggets. Look, Kamala is out doing things. Excuse me, I should say that. Vice President Harris. Yes. That is a little too familiar. Vice President Harris is out doing things. Although, in my defense, we did a lot of news coverage on how to say her first name, so I like to be proud that I can do it. So we did. I think we did several national news cycles about saying her first name, so now I've learned. Kamala. 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 So she's out and about. Not doing the things that are her responsibilities. Instead, she's doing, I don't know, NASA and things that are bakeries. More, things that are more fun. She's, she's definitely not at the border, which I can't say that I'm mad about because I'm not sure any of us want her involved in that. That's too true, deeply. but it'd be great. the photo ops would be amazing. I mean, I guess she made it down to El Paso. Is that where, where the safest area? Point. The safest yes. area of the border for, for photo ops. She was not down in, like, you know, is it Fort Allen, Fort McAllen? It's, uh, that would not no, be where not, she would be. Not in the, in, yeah, in the itch, Laredo. She was say. not in Laredo. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, she it was at. Uh, she did an event about NASA, and okay, I am, I am undertaking this against medical directive because I'm afraid I will cringe myself into labor. Please don't. <laughs> but she's doing a video about NASA, and let's just play a little bit of it for you guys. You guys are gonna see. You're going to literally see the craters on the moon with your own eyes. With your own eyes. I'm telling you, it is going to be unbelievable. So that's one of the things we can do here, too, which makes it so exciting. Honestly, it is like severe cringe. You want to see my face. (laughs) I, I I have rarely seen a person so unable to do that. And when I say that, I just mean conversing like a human with children. I believe we've reached the point where uh, Trump's uh, popularity and favorability is like one tick higher than hers now. It's it's true. It's I remarkable. Mean, and people I mean, don't get that much exposure to her. But as I always remind uh, you friends. You don't. You don't want. As, as I always remind friends who, who voted for the Biden-Harris ticket. It's almost as if she's the kind of candidate who'd have to vote, who'd have to drop out before any votes were cast in Iowa, which is what happened to Kamala Harris. <laughs> That's right. That's she right. had a couple debate moments where she made a splash and then it was done and done. Because for some reason, 
this does not connect with voters. It is Veep. Yes. It really is. It really I mean, is. If, if you did this, it would be, be other be, oh, that's exaggerating. You couldn't be as bad as this. But of course it is. And the thing about it, of course, is it gets worse. Yes. <laughs> this was a staged production. This was not just her being awkward in an organic gathering of children she talking about <laughs> She didn't walk into a classroom and just suddenly talk to kids. No. In fact, says Trevor Bernardino, a 13-year-old actor from Carmel, California, and one of five teenagers featured in the video, was asked to submit a monologue discussing something he's passionate about in three questions for a world leader in an interview process to be hired to play the normal children with whom VP Harris will interact. And I said... They should have had Trevor play the Veep. <laughs> he would have done better. He would have done a fantastic one job. Of, one of the giveaways, by the way, is poise. These kids have poise. You know, they're just they're just behaving too perfectly. And they are also fighting the cringe. You can see it in their faces, and they're doing it admirably. Uh, Trevor's agent called him and said, "Hey, Trevor, you booked it. You're on. <laughs> you're on with the Veep." And so that is the uh, that is the cringeworthy production i mean i really where does where does she go from here i i don't know where she's gonna go from here i just the, the only thing i can think of is this is how our taxpayer money is being spent well and it's also it's also like just this. impressive that for her, you know, biden's keep her num- busy biden's numbers are low but she continues to sort of outshine Out- him yes in yes in the- it's a great combined effort <laughs> to sort of depress you know a democratic turnout coming to the next election it's cycle. impressive it's truly impressive well among the Christmas presents that I might not get in the mail because of supply, supply issues uh, are Legos for my kids. Do you guys do Legos at your house? Not anymore. It suddenly stopped. You know, they reached oh, they certain age it? and then they stopped. But they there was a definitely a Lego phase. And also for my, uh, not just for my son, and, uh, but also for my daughter. This is me and, and princesses. Everybody told oh. me they would grow out of it. And I was like, that's not how, how is it going to happen? And it sort of grated on me. It was not a huge princess fan but they just love love loved that stuff and then one day it was just they were yeah. too old for it there's a frozen backlash yes yes and so now they just like they don't even wear love, those love is no longer love is anymore. no longer an open door it's not no. but with legos uh so there's a an announcement this week that lego has pledged to remove gender bias and quote harmful stereotypes from its toys Following a study that found children remain, quote, held back by, quote, embedded gender stereotypes, Lego, the world's largest toy maker, announced Monday that its future projects and products and marketing would be free of gender bias and harmful stereotypes. What is harmful? Well, can I remind everybody that Legos are blocks? <laughs> they're blocks. But they're colored blocks. And there's pink blocks and there's blue blocks. They're blocks for building things. Yep. And you can... You can literally take your pick you of what you would want to build. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if you're a girl or a boy. That's right. You just build a thing. Do your Do your girls play with Legos? They do. So, and this is the interesting thing because I remembered several years ago. It turns out it was about a decade ago. This is how fast the gender politics move. About a decade ago, Lego introduced Lego Friends. Oh yeah. Because they had done a study of a lot of young girl consumers and their moms to see why aren't we selling with little girls because they had they were selling far more to boys than girls and they found out that lo and behold girls interact differently with their toys than boys do and so they designed a line that was more character driven that had more sort of like 
cupcake shop and oh. Barbie type oh, yeah. themes mm-hmm. to it. So we cafe. have we have some of those. Yes, cafe. A lot of cafes. I get that. <laughs> I don't care. So we have a lot of those and a lot of regular Legos. Mm-hmm. But what strikes me is that it was seen as a problem then that they weren't marketing enough to girls. Then they marketed to girls, and lo and behold, it worked yeah. because the girls wanted to create stories with these figures. They wanted figures who looked different. They wanted this type of thing. They're selling to little girls tripled, and now that's the problem. The so are they going to move <laughs> away from? Win. Are they going to move away from the success of Lego Friends? I don't know. I mean, what does that mean? Isn't a gender neutral Lego section just all the Legos in one section? I think so. And you just and the thing pick is, the things it is you want. If you remember the Lego friends, by the way, their bodies are different. They're mm-hmm. thin. They're thin. There was a little uproar about that, they're, too. Because their feet can still fit the pegs, right? But their actual bodies, they're not the typical. Uh, you want to talk about gender neutral. The, the Lego bodies, the only thing that's different is the face yes. and, and, the, and the hair. But the body, they're all linebacker bodies. You know, they're very, you know, like short and squat. Well, in, in another 10 years, it'll be... Oh no! Only boys are using Legos again, right? Yeah, well, if they if they sort of go happen. back, come and, full circle, and then we'll get mad again. It is insane. And uh, you mentioned about build. You know, you can build whatever you want to build. And w- when I was a kid, and we had a little Lego town, and we combine it with the neighbors across the street, so we had a little Lego. We combine it and have a Lego town. You know what I did? I built a limousine, and I had two figures, and I was the rich guy with his uh, chauffeur, which is basically like like what like Liberace and Scott Thorson. Just driving around, you know, and just going to restaurants together and like, things. Little Vic is there with his lawyers, like I work in imports <laughs> and exports. Imports, I don't want to talk about the details know, with my meal driver, and then you know, like, <laughs> and they're like, "What's going on with them?" You know, and and that whatever. You I had. Can, I you got to get into the ports. You got to get into the port business. That's the way to do it. That's it. Well, Gavin Newsom, who is still governor of California, uh, is. Uh, I don't. I think it's like. I don't think it's in concert with Lego, but a similar announcement. Uh, that California will now require stores to have gender-neutral toy sections. Again, if all the toys are in one place Mm -hmm. and you can go to any aisle you want without restriction, I'm not sure that we need this to be a mandate. Exactly. The other thing is this. You tend to sort toys by their product and brand. Yes. So So boy and girl, quote-unquote, right brand are next to each other. Yes, so you're going to have like, what, Hot Wheels and Barbie one next to the other and just purposely confuse everybody. Well, and I, I'm a kid who, I grew up with two brothers, so I grew up with Transformers, mm-hmm. He-Man, Thundercats. Yeah. That was my Yes. That was my area. My kids are different. My girls are very, they they popped out very girly. I don't know. It wasn't my doing. But they are free to choose what they would like That's right. to play with. I do not restrict them. Sometimes they have some bow and arrows. Sometimes sometimes they have Barbies with weapons. It's a good time. We have a good time mixing it up. And the thing that cracks me up about gender neutral is they actually end up being weirdly gender restrictive. Like, boys could buy these toys and girls could buy these toys. What's the big deal? That's right. My sister, when she was growing up, she bought toy guns. She had a huge toy gun collection. It was like an arsenal and, and a toolkit, you know? And she, she is... She's married. She has two daughters of her own. But, uh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. By the way, we don't have to get involved like that. I don't think it, it, it's like, no, it aren't, there to, other things that, needs... aren't there other things that Gavin Newsom should be doing? Well, the good news is that all the laws that originate in California originally make it 
eventually make it to the rest of us so that oh, we can great. live with this like yes. insane Lovely. oversight and dysfunction. Um, so regardless of what toys you would like to buy, if they get to the store at all, <laughs> eventually you'll probably have your state government telling you that this has to be a gender neutral section. I don't know. I just don't feel like this is solving a problem that I have. For, waiting for the pushback. Yeah. There's there, there's a backlash to this, right? Maybe. A little a little sports update. Alabama lost this week, Vic. I have to be careful because I can't. First of all, I don't want to have a lot of listeners, Dan. I don't want to alienate my Alabama listeners. I was born in Alabama, but I went to the University of Georgia. So I have never been an Alabama fan. And particularly over the past eight to ten years when they've broken me, broken me over and over and over again. (laughs) It was nice for me to be in Savannah. And there was, I believe it was Georgia Auburn. Was yes. the game that was going on? Yeah, that was there, and Georgia and handled it. The Georgia Bulldogs are number one in the country right now as a result of this loss. So I, I, I must disclose my interest in this situation, mm-hmm. right. my bias, and such Al- that and, it is. And, and, and Alabama was defeated by an unranked team. They were. It was Texas A and M. Last minute field goal, about as exciting as you could possibly get. I must confess, as a very pregnant lady, I was like watching with my eyes half open because it was past nine o'clock oh. which is my <laughs> i wasn't sure what was going on with the eyes i was, I was like, like oh. okay i was like i'm gonna stay awake mm-hmm. and watch this mm-hmm. even though i thought mm-hmm. there there's no way they're gonna pull this off texas a&m but they did and it wasn't necessarily the distance right it wasn't it was they, he wasn't kicking it from like 51 yards i think it was like 28 or something yeah no it was it close was one. a it was a close one but it mm-hmm. was nerve-wracking and of i course. always oh my gosh kickers it makes me so nervous for them I don't know if I would ever it's want a mental, to. It's, more, it's just a mental game because most yes. of the time you're just sitting on the bench. I don't but know if you, I want to be gotta a bring your to a kicker. That would be so, yeah. so nerve-wracking. It, I, always, I want to send notes to kickers that mm-hmm. do miss the game-winning field goal and be like, Hi, I'm really sorry that happened to yeah, you. You should send um, lots of notes to Dustin Hopkins <laughs> over on the Washington team. Um, there's a little video of uh, the kicker's uh, Seth Small's family reacting to his kick. I'm going to play yes, it for you wonderful. just because it's so fun. So he has a wife who he married this summer and Lovely. his mom and dad are there. Looks like looks like maybe some other family mm-hmm. members as well. Um, and they are just beside themselves watching him. As one would imagine, they're all holding hands. His wife looks like she might be in labor. I'm <laughs> just kidding. She's freaking out. She's like maybe crying a little. His mom's praying, praying, holding the wife's hand. And then the mom and the wife just cry with their... They just collapse. They're they're like laying down on the thing and then she jumps over the retaining wall to go find him. And actually it just made me cry a little bit because I am, I might have mentioned both a football fan and very pregnant. Um. It was an emotional moment. It was so sweet. the the family and you. He said it was in the... uh, in the top three of his of his life moments, and he put he ranked marrying his wife above it, which is a real boss move, <laughs> even if it's not true, buddy. A boss move for the for the wife, the, obviously, <laughs> who is the real boss? Well, I think I think eh, for small, it's a possibility that it even outranks his marriage, and that's okay. I always say that the 2018 Rose Bowl, in which <laughs> University of Georgia overcame a huge deficit to beat Oklahoma in one of the greatest overtime wins of all time in college football history 
um, which I was there to see, that that's in the top three of my life moments. And luckily, I have only two children, so we're not going to rank them. <laughs> you can always say it's a tie. Shh, don't tell my husband. <laughs> Look, that post dated the Rose Bowl. I haven't done the rankings again. I'm going to have another baby. Look, we're going to have a top five. And That's it. we don't need to get into the order, okay? If you guys watch that game, you'll understand. <laughs> All right, and we'll end with dessert, Vic. It's fitting. We started with, I don't know, what did we start with? You know, fried chicken livers. And, yeah, uh, and now and we're going to end and, with and, ice cream. And Chick-fil-A. So and here we are. Ben and Jerry, who I'm sure you know is co-founders of Ben and Jerry's, recently in the past, I would say in the past, what, six months, got in a little hot water over whether they would continue to sell their product in Israel. They're a very left-leaning sort of activist the original brand, sort of, I would say, yeah, right? Yeah, sort of a, an early corporate giant. An, an early you know. woke corporate giant. <laughs> yes, Ben and Jerry, right? And, uh, and so they got in trouble with the left for continuing to do sales in Israel when there was a conflict in Israel. And Ben and Jerry said, oh... Okay, fine. Yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll be out of there because, you know. But not full, really. But not, I don't know. And so now the left is still mad at them and they're on Axios on HBO being interviewed about this. And I just want to highlight how much thought goes into these types of decisions, which is to say not very much at all. <laughs> let's Let's hear what they have to say. If you disagree with the Israeli government policy, why not just stop sales completely? Well, I disagree with the U.S. policy. We couldn't stop selling in the U.S. I think it's fine to be involved with a country, to be, to be a citizen of a country, and to protest some of, the, some of the country's actions. And that's essentially what we're doing in terms of Israel. We hugely support Israel's right to exist, mm -hmm. but we are against a particular policy. You guys are big proponents of voting rights. Why do you still sell ice cream in Georgia? Texas, abortion bans. Why are you still selling there? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's a it's an interesting question. It's a great answer. <laughs> but you know what? It's 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 refreshingly honest. <laughs> You know, I actually I think prefer, I prefer I don't know. You I know, think, over I actually some, think both of those answers are like yeah. okay, yeah. right? Like it's you, obvious, it's clearly what they're thinking, and they're already gajillionaires. They don't really need to have cohesive answers. Right. But here's the problem: if you become a woke corporate actor for all this mm -hmm. applause, right? Then you kind of need to have a cohesive idea of where you will do business and where That's you right. won't. Because where do you draw the line? Because I think she's being nonsensical about Georgia and Texas, but by their values, right. she's not really. Right. The reporter, I mean. And they need to sell to some parts of the United States because they need the money because they love capitalism, <laughs> but they hate capitalism. So it's, uh, it's just, uh, it puts them in that position. Well, that's I look forward to the hate. backlash over the idea that Israel should exist. Yeah. Because it's coming. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't. Eat, no, they devour. You can't eat ice cream mm -hmm. made by people who think that Israel should exist, Vic. It's, but it's good that, well, again, Unilever will just say that, oh, wait, they're not with us anymore. 
I know. You know that's us. Oh, well, yeah. we do too, but we don't. Wait, hold on. So they're they're like they're on the board, right? But they sold yeah, they sold it. It's, uh, ben and Jerry to Unilever right, for but, tons of money. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But it reminds me of it reminds me of, for example, remember Deutsche Bank took a very strong stance in North Carolina about yes. the, the transgender bathroom issue. Yes, but of course they're doing billions of dollars in Saudi Arabia, which you know they might have some issue. Uh, for, with with those with the bathrooms and other things. Well, just like you know? and other the, yeah. like women driving. Yeah, the basics. You know, being, gay. Um, being gay. Yeah, that too. The uh, it's just like the uh, the Major League Baseball game. Uh, the oh, All Star yeah. game got oh, moved to Colorado. Move. Yeah, because it has similar, if not more, restrictive laws mm-hmm. than Georgia does. Just spare me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's exactly it. All right, we are going to end with we're going to end with with some get to know you. Very good. good. Yeah, because we we don't even know each other really. So <laughs> we're going to introduce ourselves, and uh, I believe uh, number number one question on my list. Don't worry, it's food related. It's going to oh, be really easy for God. you. <laughs> <laughs> number one, these I actually stole these from a first date list. This is the, okay. Don't get any ideas, Vic. <laughs> this is the first date with our listeners. Okay, now, okay I was going to say, Not but together. you know, but then a little tension is good. A little tension is good with. <laughs> I'm sure your husband and my wife listening. That's really good. And, you know, but not, nothing's going to happen until at least the second or third season. Right, obviously. Otherwise. Well, know, they won't. Then it's very it Sam and Diane. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> so question number one, what is your most memorable meal? Now, Vic, you, you should explain. Vic, Vic has stumbled into the, or piloted himself into the greatest job of all time, which is that he writes about but food food and drink. This is, this is really funny because uh, uh, I normally have a go-to uh, for uh, th- this question, uh, which is uh, when I started covering celebrity chefs back in, I don't know, 2007, 2008, uh, one of the chefs I followed was a French chef, Michel Richard, who great, was here. Great work if you can get it. Uh, yes. And uh, and I had just completed a profile of him in Washington, and he hadn't seen it yet, uh, so he didn't know uh, how it was. But it was complete, It was done with. I said, I don't, you know, I'm not taking anything, you know, no free meals or anything like that until I'm done with this piece, you know, so it doesn't affect the piece. Right. And once it's done, it's done. We could do whatever. But he did uh, in- invite me over uh, and I took him up on that offer, brought my wife and we sat at the uh, chef's table and he just rolled out. Those tasting menus are insane yeah. because it's like 12, 13, 14 different courses. It's e- even know? even small courses. It's a lot of food. It is because people like to make fun of like, oh, they're so small. Yeah. Well, you try 14 of them. Mm-hmm. But for me, and he always said, you know, when you have enough. You've had enough. It's okay. But all I can think of is, what did I just miss out on? Even though I'm on the verge of, you know, throwing up, I just need to know. So I did the whole thing. Especially uh, if he's in there in his element. That, that's right. That's right. And you're watching the action. At some point, I think, after there was like a 72-hour short ribs, which is like, you know, it's cooked at such a low, low temperature, so the fat just melts right. over three days. And that was amazing. But he was also experimenting, and he came up with like a seafood bisque with a calamari stock. That wasn't even on the menu, and he was just like, it's a throwaway idea, but it was the most amazing thing uh, I've ever tasted. And then finally, my wife was like, she was looking ill, and then finally, he just yelled at the, she goes, okay, that's it. And then he starts yelling at the kitchen, she's had enough, she hates it, she doesn't want well, anymore, but it was- a French chef, you've probably, very, you've probably had a pint of half and half at that point, or heavy cream d- yes. in your food. In, in, in my food, that's true. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, uh, we, we became friends after that on and off and, and then, and, and then he had since passed, but it was, it was, I enjoyed my friendship with him and that was just a nice, uh, dinner that I had. That how about, awesome. how about you? So I'm going to give you a good one and a bad one. First, the bad one, memorable for its badness. I had my first daughter in 2013 at a local hospital. All went well. Oh. It took a long time, <laughs> not a long time on the, on the, the scale of 
laborers. It took about 13 hours. But, you know, hard work, okay? And, and, I, and natural? Wasn't it natural? Yeah, I was tired. That's nice. I was I was done. It was like and, apocalypto. <laughs> and, they, and they bring me the hospital food, which is a turkey or chicken salad sandwich on wheat that was cold. The bread was soggy. It's a good thing it was cold. Trust me. Yeah, true. You know. I, but it was like the whole thing was just so incredibly unappetizing. But when I when I saw it, I thought it's okay because I'm I just went through a marathon times two You're having love a baby. It. You're this gonna is going to be fantastic. I still remember how underwhelming this sandwich was, which makes me think. On a regular person's scale, how bad must it have been? Right, like, the kind of thing that only vultures would eat. Yes, you like know, the, this buried. should have been a great reward. And yet, it was memorably bad. So that, That's that sandwich. And I'm so glad you're still with us. I know, right? Things could have gone very badly. My friend later showed up and brought McDonald's, so it all worked out okay. Much better. Um, but for a good meal, so uh, in, I guess it was 2015... Uh, I went with several close friends to a place in D.C. that no longer exists. And this is part of the magic of it. It was called Nana's Kitchen. It was a tiny little hole in the wall. It had like six to ten tables. No no more than that. Upstairs, somewhere in like U Street or that area of town. And we found it randomly. I've since tried to find the chef again and have not been able. Oh, I know he's somewhere around, but I haven't been able to find him. Anyway, I don't know how long that place was open. We went, I went with three close friends, and the reason those close friends came with me is, it's a little bit of my bio if you don't know it, in 2015 when I was seven months pregnant with my second child, um, I lost my husband Jake in a uh, cycling accident. And as you can imagine, two months later I had a baby, there was a lot going on, I needed my friends and family very badly, and I was very lucky that I had this huge support network around me. Three of my closest friends, Emily, Guy Benson, my uh, co-author, and a friend, Kelly, from Colorado, all of whom flew in or arrived at my house immediately after this tragedy had happened. Emily worked like a part-time job getting my finances back together and making sure that I was okay before the baby came. We'd all had a rough couple of months, and we decided that three, the four of us would all go out to this fancy dinner, treat ourselves, not worry about how much it cost, and get a little drunk. <laughs> And so we did, and we had the most fantastic time at this little intimate place. We had great food, including a foie gras cappuccino, Oof. which is wow. Was this wonderful salty sweet yes, I was combo say. that you wouldn't imagine, but was amazing. If you tried to explain to somebody that you're basically having some goose liver in your coffee, that wouldn't go over well. But when you put it as a foie gras it cappuccino, was it sounds frothy, decadent. It, sounds it was decadent. great. I will remember it forever. Uh, we just had a fantastic time. And like I said, sort of sort of adding to the mystique of it, I never went back to that restaurant. I've never seen it again. I haven't been able to – I don't even know where it was. Yeah. It was right on Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, somewhere up there. Avenue. And it was it was fantastic. So that's one of my most memorable that's great. meals. Yeah. That's great. Just good times with good friends. Would have been good even without the great food, but the great food helps. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for getting hammered today. I'm going to keep doing this podcast until I'm like having contractions and possibly afterwards. So we'll be here. Try us out. He's Vic Mattis. I'm Mary Catherine Ham, and this is a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs>